Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome back to Not Your Average Joe, the podcast that'll make anyone a little less average. And boy, do I have something special for you today. In honor of Black History Month, I've decided to highlight some of my favorite creators of color. Whether we're talking about entrepreneurship, travel, language learning, we're going to touch on a lot of different subjects. But today's guest is probably one of the most inspirational women I know. I literally was like, I will live like like a poor person for as long as I need to in order to create and build the dream life of my dreams soon. And sometimes, you know, you do wake up and you're like, is this all gonna be worth it? Like, am I crazy? You know, your friends start to check up on you. Like, hey, are you, you, there were times where I just didn't have money to eat. And so I just didn't eat. I also had too much pride to ask friends for help because I was posting pictures in Paris. Of course I'm doing okay. It's like, if I'm gonna be pinching my pennies, let it be in Paris. <laughs> That's Gloria Tanmo, or Glo. Being a Nigerian first-generation immigrant, she really didn't see many people that look like her in the travel space, which is when she assumed it wasn't for her. But somewhere along the way, the perspective changed and she started a travel blog that would eventually become a seven-figure business. And if you don't wanna do the math, that's $1 million. It wasn't that easy though, and that's exactly what we're gonna get into today. Now, Glow and I get along for various reasons, but the main one, the most obvious one, is that we're the few women of color in the travel space. While she was doing her thing on the blog, I was doing my thing on the YouTube channel. We met up, and there was so much synergy that I knew I just had to have her in my circle of friends. We may not talk often, but when we do, it's like we create this big energetic force field of good vibes and brainstorming and just genuine love and support for one another. If today you woke up and you said, man, I want free life coaching, this is exactly what you're gonna get. Kill the intro, sis. You know she's not your average Joe, not your average Joe. But hold up, hold up. I have a little public service announcement before we start the show. I have officially launched the Not Your Average Joe Patreon page, aka patreon.com slash notyouraveragejoe. It's a place for the Not Average Joes to congregate with different benefits, including prompt packs with different thought-provoking questions to get you journaling, with shout-outs on birthdays, special occasions on this podcast, and one tier even has a really cool organic tote bag that I'm trying to get. So if you really love the show and you want to connect to other not so average Joes all over the world, that is where we'll be. Patreon.com slash not your average Joe. Pick a tier, get your benefits. And if you don't want to pay anything, don't you worry, boo-boo. We're gonna have free episodes every Wednesday with all the goodness. Let's keep each other accountable. And now back to the show. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> a queen has entered the chat, my baby girl glow. <laughs> How are you? I'm so happy to see your face. Wow. You look amazing. I love what you've done to your place. Like Thank you're- you. I mean, the queen of design herself, like boho <laughs> chic. Are you kidding me? I need to buy that ebook that you're selling. Like, show me the boho design. <laughs> Stop. I love the color pops. I feel like it's so you. Like it just, your house matches your style. I love it. 
Thanks, love. Oh my God, we have so much to talk about right now. It's too much. Listen, I thank you again, by the way, for accommodating today because like I, I I don't feel rushed. Yesterday I would be like, all right, Joe, this was great. <laughs> I get it. No, I get it. Those days are crazy. And like, we just got to let it, let it be what it is and like not burn out. How are you doing? I'm good, Joe. I'm really in a season where I built like the perfect hybrid model. I, I feel at peace with like what I have going on. I, I love the ease. I'm more into my femininity where I'm like, you know what? I don't have to be so alpha. Like I can just relax and let things come to me. And they come. <laughs> it's so good. The thing that I love about you, it's like we've met in person once, but it was like a lifetime of conversation in a weekend. And every time I see your face, I mean, I see it all the time on social media, but when I see it for real, like at least one-on-one, -on -one, I'm like, there's a reason this woman has built an empire because you <sighs> glow. You literally glow. You are glow, but you glow. Oh, Joe, glow and Joe. <gasps> exquisite, exquisite. So, okay. I mean, we got to have our personal catch up. We got to talk about life. We got to talk about work. We got to talk about everything. As... Oh my God, I already know. I'm like, it's going to be hard to keep this to 50 minutes of an episode. We're going to do a part two. I already know it. But for everyone who hasn't stumbled upon your page yet, can you give a little rundown about your history? How did you become a full-time, honestly, just like a badass entrepreneur, traveling content creator, and so much more? It's hard to create a job title. When people ask, what do you do? What do you say? I like the term creative educator now. So I think what I love about this generation is that we create titles that don't exist. And for me, studying abroad was my entry ticket into the world of travel. I was a collegiate athlete, double collegiate athlete for basketball and tennis. And when I changed my major, because I knew that I wanted to do something different, I didn't want to be a doctor anymore. Sorry to my Nigerian culture and mother. I was like, this actually isn't my passion. And so I had an interdisciplinary major, um, arts, media, communications, and photography. And what that did is that made me graduate in five years. And so in that fifth year, I was no longer an athlete, no more morning practices, no more afternoon practices, no more games. And someone was like, well, Glow, you should study abroad. You, you are a person now. Like you have a life now. <laughs> You're free. Yeah. And I legitimately said, black people don't travel, period. Mm. I stopped the conversation. I was like, we don't do that. I went to college in Kansas. So it was, it was, of course, a white girl that suggested it to me. And I was like, no, we, we don't. That's not for us. And I, I am so, I forgive the part of me that limited our capabilities for our community, people of color in general. We often can be siloed in like, well, I don't see anyone that looks like me. Therefore, I won't. And I'm so glad I was like, you know what? I don't see anyone that looks like me. I attended the, the seminar. The pamphlet was very one-shaded, <laughs> but I'm gonna do this anyway. Like something is still calling me to do this very different and exotic thing. And so that literally, it was that study abroad semester in the UK that opened my eyes. And I remember telling myself, I am gonna figure out a way to do this for as long as possible. Oh, chills, chills. 10 years ago, I said that, and here I am in Cabo. <laughs> Insane, insane, like traveling all over the world nonstop, wherever you really desire, you've created a complete lifestyle job. And I obviously am a huge fan of that, right? Like similar, I've done what I've done for 10 years now. And it's like, how the hell did this happen? Like, how, how did we get here? And I mean, there's so many steps along the way, right. but what I, I want to focus on, it's like 
this idea that black people don't travel or people of color don't travel or women don't travel. We're living in an age where that's obviously not true, but 10 years ago, and even just, you know, still today, people have these ideas in their heads and it's because of how we're raised. It's maybe because our family members haven't done it. It's because coming from Nigeria or coming from Brazil, there was already so much sacrifice to get to the state. So why would you want to leave? Huge. That's exactly it. It's like when you have immigrant parents, you travel for survival, not for fun. And it was like never immigrant background, immigrant culture is that like travel was something you did to go back home to, you know, visit family and distant relatives, but it wasn't something you did for fun. And so it was just never planted in me. The seed was never dropped. I never saw anyone that looked like me doing it. So of course the realm of possibility is gonna look different. And it's very hard to dream outside of what you see, you know? And I'm just so thankful that I still was like, you know what, I don't see anyone out here that looks like me. Even in my study abroad semester, I think there was three of us <laughs> and you know, two from the other schools. But I was just like, you know what, this is, my favorite email that I get is from black women saying they got a passport because of me. In, in all of my articles, anything that I post, like my favorite to read is people, black women specifically, getting a passport because of my travels. Right, it's insane. It's like truly blazing the trail for a, a butterfly effect of just more colorful faces out on the streets. Like, let's get us out there. I, I couldn't agree more. It's funny because for me, uh, I grew up, I know you did too, because of the immigrant background, but like I grew up completely in survival mode as well. And yeah. for me, I couldn't travel. I've said this so many times on the podcast, but it's like I was undocumented for 12 years. So I physically couldn't leave the country because we would lose our place in line in the process. So wow. I never even thought that it was a possibility, but I guess the language thing always kept me thinking globally, right? Because I grew up bilingual and I grew up thinking like, okay, I'm not going to be 100% Brazilian. My accent is getting worse and my English, it's like rusty. So screw it. Let me learn French. Let me learn Italian. And I had always wanted to, to live a global life, not because I thought travel was for me or that travel was something I should do because I didn't think that. It was more of like, I want to build a business where I'm traveling the world. So it was always through the lens of working because again, survival. It's like, if I need to work, I'm going to do it in something that I really enjoy, which is global things with languages and business. Mm -hmm. So I also never thought like, oh, let me take a bus to Baltimore for the weekend. Something as simple as that. Like, let me take a train to Montreal because it's spring break. And these are all things that also a white person, my old business partner, Damon, was the one who put into my life. I remember yeah. there was a weekend in college. It was like freshman year. I was living on the world cultures floor, right? Like themed floor. I was really all in it. I knew I was going to do something global. And I was actually still, uh, I wasn't undocumented. I had my green card, but there's a difference between having a green card and a passport, right? Like green card is permanent resident. I'm not getting deported, but passport is citizenship. I can go in and out with an American passport. So when yeah. I first got to college, I only had my green card. And so I had never really traveled and it had, it was just the year that we got it. So I got lucky, like so much luck is sprinkled in my story. So I go to college, private business university in Manhattan, um, around all of these people from the States in areas I thought were so exotic. Like I met somebody from California and I'm like, you're the coolest person you've ever met. Cause I grew up in the East coast. Right. Like, and I never obviously went further West than like, I don't even know Florida, like even the Florida South, it's like so stupid. It was just not exactly a travel childhood. And then 
one weekend, my friend Damon, he was like, Joe, let's go, let's go to Baltimore or let's go to Boston. That was the first place that we went. Let's go to Boston. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? Let's go to Boston. What are we doing there? Why are we there? That's not what I do. Like it's the weekend. I should be cleaning an office or something because I grew up cleaning houses every weekend. Like we didn't do things for fun just to do things for fun. And because I went and have my mindset, I'm like, how are we turning this into a business? And that's literally how the YouTube channel started. It was like, he wanted to show the adventures and film it on an entertainment side. And I was like, let's turn this into a TV show. And then 10 years later, I've made a travel TV career and travel content creating career. Mind blowing. The literal, now that is the American dream. The American dream that I was sold growing up in California was the big house, the white picket fence, two kids, maybe a dog. But like what you are sharing and describing, like that sounds so much more like the American dream to me. And it's so inspiring and empowering and humbling and eye-opening because it, it comes from intentionality. Like there was so much intention behind everything that you've done. And yes, you mentioned the luck sprinkled along the way, but luck with intention, girl. Yeah. Girl. It's like they say luck is preparation meeting opportunity. I was in preparation, learning the languages, learning how to build something. I was always involved in like business clubs. I created one from scratch. I learned leadership. I learned teamwork. And then you apply that to language and, and then you put travel in, which was the luck. The travel element of like meeting somebody who was just, he grew up in the system where like his dad would be like, let's pack up the car and let's go. And that to me was foreign. I'm like, who the hell is doing that? Like who's taking trips on the weekends? We have to work. Wow, 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 wow. Not your average Joe tip number one. For anyone who's in a less than desirable situation right now, I feel you, I really do. I've been there too. But the cool thing is that the not so average Joe can always prepare. We can always be in training, even if there's no obvious opportunity in sight. Because eventually, if you keep moving forward, those opportunities will come. And when they do, you'll be ready. Or in other words, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. So where would you say you're at now in terms of like what you dreamed of and where you're still trying to go with your business? Because it's like once you reach, literally, like you have reached the peak of like any travel enthusiast's dream. It's like, where do you go from here? And how do you allow yourself to keep dreaming? Trust me, that is a journey on its own. And we're going to get there. We're going to get there. I love how you, you've you like taken the interview and made, you're so good at this. We're a problem together. And this is why when we talk, it, it turns into like five days. <laughs> it's like, who's interviewing who? I need to know. I'm so proud of you. I'm so inspired by you. And it's like this crazy ripple effect. Okay, so I'm going to turn that question to you. So in the beginning, college days, we're talking like, how old are you? 19, 20, 21, learning to, learning to travel. 22, yeah. So I literally, I was one of five of the older travel abroad or study abroad students. And yeah, everyone else did it in their sophomore, junior year. But again, I had basketball and tennis that kept me you know, focused. So when I was that fifth year college grad, yeah, I was like, oh, I'm so old. <laughs> I feel so old, but... I love that I was there at that age because like you, I saw business and opportunity in everything. And so when there was an application to be a school ambassador, um, an RA, a resident assistant, and a blogger, I applied for all three, got all three. My girl. I became known, <laughs> I became known as like, 
I, I was almost like, I was basically staff, but like not official. Everyone, all of the, like the faculty would refer work to me. And of course I didn't mind it. I was like green eyed and like, I'm happy to just be of service. And for me, I'm also like, I'm going to be, I'm going to make my footprint here so big. You're not going to know how to operate without me. Now that sounds very cocky. Of course, you're still going to run. You're an entire institution. You have the resources. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> but the creativity and the eagerness and the joy and the zest for life that I brought, and I was like, you can't teach this and you can't replace this. So I'm going to bring my literal joy and inject it into every single thing I did. I would wake up early. I would greet faculty. Good morning. How's it going? And I would just bring this obnoxious joy. And they're just like, Glow, you're just, you know, and, and some of them would, you know, I'm sure I annoyed them, but I knew they wouldn't forget me. And so sure enough, when it was time to have um, an intern who got the internship. So I came back a year later and I had a four month internship with them. I had a, like a temporary uh, visa to work there and get paid there as like a staff member. So it was so cool to transition from student to staff within a year. And I knew my clock was ticking, like my, my visa was expiring and I was like down to a hundred bucks because whatever I got paid, I was spending it just as fast because I was, I was getting paid to travel and show for the students. But I also was like, I want my own experiences. So any time off, like I love my supervisor. They were like, glow, like obviously a lot of the work can be done virtually because I was doing the marketing stuff and social media coordinating. And he was like, if you finish it by Wednesday, you don't have to come into the office. I was like, bet. <laughs> bet. I'm out. Bye. <laughs> Throw the peace signs up. Enter the five-day vacations. <laughs> Long weekend. This is where the beginning of the retirement, the mini retirement started. So I see that this is 10 years ago that this idea started. <laughs> We're going to talk about oh that. Oh my gosh. And so, and I wasn't opposed to like, because I remember as a student, like the school would organize trips, maybe it would be about $700. And I was like, I went there to study abroad with only 500 for the entire semester. And here people were spending 700 in a weekend. I was like, can't relate. And so a lot of times my solo travel was birthed out of literally not wanting to be a burden because I couldn't afford the trips other people were going on. So I would take that 12 hour bus to get to Germany, <laughs> you know, rather than take, you know, the flight that would get you there in 30 minutes, but I would go the long way. And I discovered so much about myself and the opportunity and the conversations and almost like this allure that you get as a single solo traveler. Like, it's like, Oh, on your own, what are you like? You know, and I was like a magnet for conversation because everyone wanted to know my story. Of course. There's so much beautiful wisdom from that alone. Okay, let's go back to the RA. I was also an RA and I was also the one doing the same thing. Like any opportunity that's gonna shed some tuition dollars or give me some leadership skills or put me in touch with the right people, I'm taking it. And I think that that is a through line in both of our journeys or like anyone who's willing to sacrifice a little bit for a new door or window that's gonna open maybe that's survival mentality, maybe that's like immigrant grit, whatever it is that shapes everything. Because those relationships from those days or like the chain of events that happened showed you that so much more was possible. Like you you didn't have money, you only had $500 for the semester. And I completely relate to that because I studied abroad in Paris and the same exact moment happened to me when the study abroad program was like, guys, we're gonna go to, to Budapest for $900. I'm like, who the hell has that? Like I have a credit card. I don't even have money saved. I have a $1,500 limit on this card for these four months. 
homies eating 20 cent baguettes from the like quick monoprix. And so I also took the long bus rides, slept in like 30 bed dorm hostels and filmed it all, right? And like, this is the beginning. <laughs> I love it. You documented that because so often we don't realize that we're in our humble beginnings in the moment. Like, I'm sure it's hard for you to have dreamed of how far you would go, but like the fact that you were willing to show like your messy middle, your humble beginnings, that's what makes you so much more relatable. And that's what makes people really attached to your story too. Because if you only post or only share when you've made it, it's like, well, good for you. But like, I had no context to pull from. I don't know how hard you've worked. It's just like, you know, and I always tell people on Instagram, especially like, don't archive your past posts, like give people context of the totality of your journey. They'll respect you more. Which then brings us to the idea of like pushing past perfectionism and just posting. I know we've talked about that before. Not your average Joe, tip number two. This one I learned later in the game. Show your work. There's a book that Austin Kleon wrote about it and it's just about showing the messy middle. It's not worrying about the perfection of the content. Because when you show your work, not only is it good for the algorithms, you'll be feeding that content machine that will eventually build you an audience, but you'll be relatable. And those people who follow you from day one will become loyal to your journey. And then when you do progress, they'll know that it didn't happen overnight and they'll respect you even more for it. The magic isn't in making it, it's in showing the journey that it takes to make it. Continuing down the road on the travel journey, we're starting off taking 45 hour bus rides with 25 layovers, sleeping at sketchy bus stations, and then what happens? I discover couchsurfing.org, I discover meetup.com, I discover the concept of being an au pair, and I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> My visa is up in a week, I've got $100, so let me take this 25 euro flight, Ryanair flight, <laughs> to um, Spain, because I'm like, okay, Barcelona, I'm sure I could teach English somewhere there. And there's something, again, it might be that survival mode, it might be that immigrant background, but my goodness, when, when you see how hard your parents work and you also recognize the opportunity in everything, you are willing to work for whatever it is that you want. So I was not opposed to walking into hostels, pulling up my Instagram before influencer marketing was a thing. Just blazing the trail, literally blazing the trail. If you're getting paid to post on Instagram, think low, <laughs> especially in the travel world. Same, I would email CEOs of travel companies and I'm like, hey, I have a little, tiny little blog, but I see you're trying to break out into the US market. I can create blog posts, literally how I started as well, getting paid for this. I like... I live pitched myself like on the spot, like no way, like in 2013, Instagram, Instagram at that point was only two years old. So imagine it was not popular. It was not something that you just had as a part of your business marketing strategy. So I'm walking into these hostels that don't have Instagram pages, trying to show them the value of mine, how I've been documenting my journey, how I want to start their Instagram page, how I can post for them and run their page for them, also work reception, also check people in and just give me the couch. I don't even need a bed. Just give me a couch in like the back room. The corner will yeah. do. Just screw it. Give me, a, I'll stand up in the corner and sleep. Such humble. I was, I was scrubbing toilets, Joe. I was changing, I was doing laundry, changing beds, like cleaning, vacuuming, wiping windows, whatever. If you would host me, I recognize that, oh my goodness, I'm in Montenegro. I'm in Croatia for free. And I'm, I'm able to have these experiences. I'm able to meet these people and moonlight with my, my, my blog my travel blog at night and like write blog posts about some of the experiences or some of the people that I meet and having that blog and that, I guess, like 
corner of the internet that I could call my own helped me build kind of like this virtual domain of credibility. Like, oh, wow, this, this woman's really been on the road for a while and she's writing such authentic experiences. And yeah, it's like you, you have such a unique journey that people become attached to it. Not your average Joe, tip number three. There's a saying that closed mouths don't get fed. When it comes to both of our journeys, that's exactly what turned a seemingly impossible situation into a complete reality. It really started because we were bold enough to ask for things, to volunteer our time, and get strategic with leveraging anything that we did have because there was so much that we lacked. And everything that we leveraged got us a little tiny bit closer towards the goals. Sometimes it looks like we don't have much, but if you're clever enough, you'll see that you have just enough to get what you need. You just gotta be creative. After the break, we dive into how Glow's creativity took her from broken hungry to growing that seven-figure business, all while traveling the world. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And when you started the blog, did you know that it would become like, did you have an inkling that this could be something bigger than just a blog? This is such a good question because I actually started my first blog at 11 years old on a platform called Xanga. And Xanga, I was going to say, yeah, I started Xanga too. Girl, oh. we've been in the game since age 10, 11. <laughs> coding dude coding those little like the falling stars and shit like i was doing that like i was i had a zanga i had like several different zangas oh my god one was called like ziploc fresh i was like i'm gonna drop the freshest news and music every week like what okay you are very close to what i evolved into so my very first blog was no joke i'm a little black bala holla <laughs> not said Enough said. That was my first blog. I then evolved into a pop culture blog. This is when TMZ starts becoming a thing and you want to talk about celebrity gossip. Like I became that. <laughs> then I evolved into a music blog where this was the Frostwire, LimeWire era where, you know, people didn't have iPods and iPads yet. So you just downloaded music illegally. And so you would find the blog lists and you were one of those. I would, I would like download the music from Frostwire, like have to go through all of these, like, <laughs> Like malware. Yeah, you're like diseases on your computer. You're doing it as an investment to your future, which is why you're in Cabo yeah. today. The family computer, mind you, because of course I don't have a laptop. And um, then the music <laughs> blog transitions into a sports blog. This is when I become um, a collegiate athlete or I'm playing in high school and make varsity as a freshman. And I'm like, oh, wow, basketball, I think could be my thing. I start to have WNBA ambitions, which very side note, sidebar, I played semi-pro basketball in Spain for a very short season, eight months. Amazing. Um, just a part of my journey and things that I was willing to do to just keep me abroad. 
And then from the sports blog, I started my university's first blog um, at Baker University in Kansas, student run, just sharing your experiences about being a freshman, a sophomore, junior. And then after that, then I started my travel blog in 2013. So it's like, whenever people say they're starting over, you're never really starting over. You're starting from experience. You're not starting from scratch. Mm -hmm. And so when you want to like scrap an idea and try something new, pull from your experience. I had those previous failed six blogs that I can look to and be like, okay, that worked, that didn't. Why did I stop writing in that one? What made me leave this one? And I was able to build something that I felt fully confident in because I knew that travel was something that I wanted to do indefinitely. And I was fully invested in it for the long term. So I knew that it was a matter of like when, not if it would take off. So yes, I knew it would become something one day. <laughs> and that it did, honey, that it did. Still though, you could have easily just been the college student. You could have easily been the athlete. You could have easily been the chick that was downloading music. What was the motivation behind making blogs about it? Because I think there's something to be said about having interests, but then you couple that interest and that knowledge or like your journey, getting the knowledge and you couple that with a platform, whether it's a blog or an Instagram account or a YouTube channel. And that's really where the magic starts to happen. That's when you build a career. That's so good. And I think when I, when I think of my Nigerian parents and I think of like growing up in the Bay area and being at about a 70% white school, making friends was hard. Like I was, I was the outcast. We weren't like super poor, but you know, you have six kids. There's going to be lots of hand-me-downs, lots of busted shoes, lots of smears, you know, and they did the best they could with what they had. And so I, I was not, there was no way for me to gain popularity because I was African. <laughs> That's like, cancels you out. <laughs> Didn't have the latest shoes or clothes, another cancellation. And so I realized that if I can't make friends in real life, maybe I can find them online. And this was just when I remember I was, uh, gosh, maybe eight or nine, they brought in those big colorful box, like MacBooks or uh, Mac computers, big colorful boxes. And they brought mm -hmm, the Macintosh. It the was Macintosh. like a Macintosh. The OG, OG. Uh-huh. I miss those. They smelled just, I miss the smell of those. The overheating is so good. Oh, and I remember Miss Root, um, bless her heart. Um, she would stay in, in class during recess. And again, recess was kind of traumatic for me because I would always, I was a floater. Like people, I think, pitied me. So if I walked up to them, they'd be like, oh, here's the African. You know? And they would just, they would allow me to literally share oxygen with them, but they didn't oh, acknowledge no. me. They didn't talk to me. I just like was standing there awkwardly. So I was like, this sucks. Everything sucks. And so I went back to, I would go back to class early and Ms. Ritt would said, you know, you, you don't have to go to recess. If you'd rather be in here with me, that's okay. And I was like, really? You know, <laughs> the nerdy kid. God and, bless Ms. Ritt. Okay. And so I was like, well, can I go on the computer? And, you know, I remember Destiny's Child was like my favorite <laughs> band at the so time. Good. So I would just like listen to music. And then that's when I started like learning that, oh, like you can build websites and Zanga was starting to become a thing and Tumblr. So yeah, I just kind of like allowed recess to become my escape and this virtual space where I can be myself and maybe be accepted. So I became obsessed with the idea of finding community in a place where I couldn't get community in real life. We relate so hard. I'm so happy that we're having this conversation. Wow. wow. It makes sense. Yeah, it really does. So 
similar to your journey, I grew up in Bethel, Connecticut, which is a really small town with all American kids. And I was pretty much the floater as well. I remember I didn't care to fit in. I didn't care. Like I knew I was always going to be different. I looked different. I, the language that I spoke sounded different. You know, like in the beginning, I didn't even speak English. So that was a huge moment of like complete solitude and being in my head. The first three years of my life in the States, I think about it now and I'm like, holy shit how did like the the grit right that a little kid at five from five years old to like eight years old to be okay not fitting in little joe was like alone trying to copy people's spelling tests because i didn't know what the words meant let alone how to spell them and that trickled into middle school when i would avoid going to the cafeteria for lunch because like you, I didn't know where I fit. I had two friends and if they didn't share my lunch period, I was alone. So instead I would go to the library to what? Sit on the computer labs. Like I would sit at the computers and I would start researching things. I would look outside the window and I would start like ask Jeeves, you know, like back in the day when it wasn't even Google. Yep. I would just like pop it into a random search engine and be like, what are the mountains behind me? Bethel, Connecticut. And it'd be like, these are a part of this mountain chain. And I'm, this was what I did in my lunch period, or I would curl up in the corner with a book or a journal, which completely still is the case, right? So when people see us, they probably think, wow, these women, they're so extroverted. Wow, they're so outgoing. They probably had all these friends. Honey, no, no. And there's something to be said. I feel like it's the quiet ones, it's the nerds, it's the misunderstood loners that become something because we develop this ability to know ourselves, love our own company, and really observe what's around us. I think when you're constantly trying to fit in or acquiesce to the people around you, you don't really get to know yourself. So yeah, I, I love that, you know, even just hearing your story, like a part of me is like, as an empath, I'm like wanting to tear up because I see little Joe and I'm just like, oh, like she's loved, you're cared for, you know, you to be something. Like I, I just want to speak life into you. It's so sweet. I know. I think about that too, how much the household and how you're raised, not only in the home, but like in your school, schooling, it shapes everything that comes afterwards my house i was really quiet everybody in my family is like we don't know what the hell happened to you like you were the shy kid you were quiet and then all of a sudden i'm hosting a show on netflix for millions of people to see like how did that happen and it really is i think it were it was those formative years where i had to get to know myself where i had to be okay with being alone where i turned to writing and journaling to speak to myself because to me journaling was my arena where i could be heard and not be stopped or not be dismissed or whatever. Like I have journals since I was six, seven, eight, nine. Like I've written this entire time. And yeah, I guess maybe the conclusion is we don't necessarily change too much. We just evolve. And as technology evolves, we have more opportunities that we can seize. So let's talk about that. Okay. So now we've learned that we want to travel. We're on the road. We're feeling good feeling empowered, pitching ourselves at random hostels. What was your first big moment where you're like, I could make this my full-time job? Oh, okay. Well, first that was, that was a Joe bar. Like we don't change, we evolve. I just, I love that. I want to make sure your listeners catch that. Um, I think the moment came when I rejected the man, like I, I, I genuinely wanted to find a career where I could feel belonging. And I actually, for a little bit, I saw myself in the corporate life. I was like, ooh, I wanna be the person that 
my heels are walking across marble floors. I'm in a power suit. Mm -hmm. Like I see that for myself. And I wanted that for a while. I was like, I think that could be my thing. I just want to be important in a, a glass building. <laughs> now that glass building is my home. <laughs> hey, hey, I'd rather live in it than work in it, honey. Yes. <laughs> oh man, life is funny. But I think I just genuinely knew that I would make the worst employee. At my core, I would be so hard to tame because I would question everything. I would probably be for the consumer and not for capitalism. I would probably reject, you know, just the toxic, again, capitalistic ways that make corporations successful. And I put people over profit and, and policy and everything that I do. And I know that I have a very specific way that I want to show up in this world and serve and build my legacy. So I was like, how can I mix all of these core values into travel? How could it become a career? How could I do this again for as long as possible? And I started toying around with the idea of like eBooks and digital products. Again, like I had only known what I saw. So I wanted to write a book, but I thought I needed a publisher. I needed an agent. I needed this big fancy, I don't know, like just didn't know what I didn't know. And so I self-published my first eBook and two years later, a publishing house actually buys the rights and like publishes a hard copy for me. And so it's like, when you do things your way first, you have that freedom, that creative freedom. And then someone else along the way will see how well it's doing and be like, you know what? I, I see what you're doing. How can we help elevate you in that next journey? So with influencer partnerships and brand deals and hosting retreats, hosting a blogger bootcamp or hosting blogger bootcamps in Bali, um, entrepreneurial retreats, doing um, online courses, uh, running an academy, like uh, hosting a mastermind. Like I, I, I love having all of these offerings and I look at my business like this big web, but it's a perfect hybrid business model because it allows me to show up in three main ways, in text through eBooks, in person through retreats and online through content. I wanna serve in these three ways, in text, in person and online. And so I would just, create offerings that allowed me to do those three. Honey, you got your pitch tight, <laughs> tight. <laughs> I'm like taking notes over here. I'm like, okay, cool. So break it up into three different arenas. You are so brilliant. Uh, you're very brilliant. I want to go back to the moment where you realized that you should do it your way instead of going the traditional route, because I think that is very unique. Yeah. Personally, that wasn't what happened with my journey. In the beginning, I remember thinking the opposite, I, which is what most people think. It's like, okay, I'm going to post this YouTube video, but it's going to serve as a pilot potential. And then I'm going to spend the first two years of this journey, which is literally what it did, what it was. I spent two years of my journey emailing every executive on LinkedIn of every network that could potentially be interested in buying a young travel show where we speak multiple languages. And I met really interesting people. I flew to LA with like my two cents in my pocket there and back there and back. I learned how to pitch a TV show. I learned how to create the deck. I would, it was almost like every person that I met would give me a new level of information that would unlock the next stage. Like I would meet a woman in a whole foods in New York and she was a TV producer and she would like send me a pitch by, you know, hush, hush. And then I would see that pitch. And I'm like, cool. Now I know how to pitch. And I did all of these steps thinking like there has to be something at the end of this journey because I'm killing myself to get in front of these people. Not only am I 
doing what is traditionally done of like creating the the documents, but I'm also posting examples of the charisma and of the chemistry that Damon and I had, we're posting that on YouTube, but we're only posting it to serve as an example of what could be bigger. And I got in front of these executives and they all said the same thing. They were like, you two are so cute, but young travel will never sell. No, after no, after no, after no. And at this point I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to go insane. Like I'm going to go crazy because it's like for two years and I'm in college and I'm doing internships and I'm, I'm doing internships and everything too, which I think it's really important to stress. Like these things didn't just happen overnight. You had been building the skills back in the Zenga days. So was I, and you know, you were building skills, managing that school's social media accounts. Like, again, you don't ever just start over, like you're building from what you know. So at this stage, I had learned a lot uh, through not only pitching people and doing things my way just to get the big opportunity traditionally, but I was also doing internships in marketing, in PR, in new business. I was learning how to sell ad space with NBC Universal's digital platform. So I knew this world and it was like unfolding before me and it was evolving at the same time. And I remember we used to sell tweets as added value. So it was free. And I was like, the person who learns how to monetize social media will be rich. Flash forward. That's literally how I make my living as do you. And it's just this, this moment where I'm like, after maybe the seventh or eighth, no, from a TV executive, I was about to graduate college. And I'm like, enough making YouTube videos has been the only thing where I've seen the potential. You know, you post one video, you see a sad little number then you post another one and then the number is like maybe increasing by five views and it's like what seven people around the world want to watch me there's potential here and then I made my first 25 cents and I'm like oh my god I'm making money free money free money absolutely so I guess the through line here it's like you started out going to the beat of your own drum, where did that come from? How did you even find the grit? So some qualifiers, I'm an Aries. I'm an Enneagram seven. <laughs> I am, um, I mean, just across the board, I have the personality trait where I will probably be the independent free thinker dreamer off like in la la land before I subscribe to the man. And I was willing to be broke and hungry and scrappy before I wanted a quick handout. And I think there's something to be said about the person willing to work more than wish. You know, a lot of people wish for a better life, wish for better circumstances, but I, I worked for it. I literally was like, I will live like, like a poor person <laughs> for as long as I need to in order to create and build the dream life of my dreams soon. And sometimes, you know, you do wake up and you're like, is this all going to be worth it? Like, am I crazy? You know, your friends start to check up on you. Like, Hey, are you, you, there were times where I just didn't have food, money to eat. And so I just didn't eat. I also had too much pride to ask friends for help. Cause I was posting pictures in Paris. Of course I'm doing okay. It's like, if I'm going to be pinching my pennies, pennies, let it be in Paris. <laughs> and I knew that like, I, even though like I, I, there were, there were nights where I couldn't even afford a hostel. And, you know, for those that don't know back then hostels, some of them were like five bucks a night. Like they were super affordable. Now there's like luxury hostels and they could be a little bit more expensive. But even when I didn't have the five bucks, I went to a beach 
And I pulled out my jacket and I just, I made a makeshift situation. Slept on a park bench. For nine years, I was fully nomadic. I had no home base. And so the nights in between where I was still figuring out my life, figuring out my journey, my business, my career, I couldn't afford to complain because I was like, Glo, you wanted this. Like you chose this path. You know that you're working towards something that most people will never get to experience. So if you are building this dream life for yourself that one day you'll be able to look on and be so proud that you built, you need to be willing to, to, to sleep through these hard circumstances and overcome them and deal with them. And I think that also builds humility and grit and character because if everything that I ever wanted was handed to me, we wouldn't be friends, Joe. You would, you would probably hate me like, oh, glow, entitled, brat, spoiled, rotten. So like, you know, because I'm very grounded. I'm very humble. I'm very like, I'm still down to earth because I get it. I know what it's like to struggle. And that's a gift. You know, some people will never have that perspective of struggle and that'll make them a little bit detached from reality. They'll speak so above people and not even realize it because they've just always gotten what they wanted. So to answer your question again, um, I think I knew that I was going to beat to my own drum and create my own path and hybrid business model when I realized that I was willing to be the first or willing to take a chance on myself when I didn't see another example out there. Because if it hasn't been done, like there's two ways to think about that. If you want to build something that hasn't been built or hasn't been done in the way that you want it, you'll either say, oh, well, it's impossible. Or you could say, "Mm, I could be the first, or I I could help pave the way. I could be a pioneer. And just like with Zanga for both of us, we saw ourselves as pioneers for digital storytelling and influencer marketing. Like those became notable industries, multi-billion dollar industries 10 years later. But we went into it because we saw opportunity and maybe a community um, to build. So it's crazy. Again, there's so much always. Every time you speak, I'm like, I want to talk about this, this, and it. But one thing that I want to mention is this idea of creating your own path. And we both are huge advocates of the internet because it allowed us to create this like exact lifestyle business catered to not only what we want to do, how we want to live, but what we want to continue to learn, areas we want to develop. So for me, that means creating multilingual content. And I'm actually still amazed. Like it never fails to amaze me that I can post the most random piece of content. My feed is not as pretty as yours. My, my handle is not Joe graphics. <laughs> so if, if nobody, if you don't follow glow, go follow her on Instagram. You really, and we've had a conversation about this before you were like, Joe, don't you feel like I forgot what it was like I was posting something random like very scrappy video and you're like it's really crazy because I could never do that like I could never post something that's so raw and I'm like yeah I guess I don't think about it too much just because I'm not as visual and I'll post whatever I feel like posting and I mean there's a method to the math but to the madness uh but like I'm surprised that I can post a video where I'm learning Greek and it's like nothing amazing I'm not speaking Greek fluently okay I'm like I'm I'm doing an audio lesson and painting my nails and like that video people love and I'm like wow there's a community on the internet for everyone everything and everyone and I think there's something to be said because you've really done a great job with your authentic storytelling like you do it in a way that's both inviting captivating and allowing people to be inspired by the process and because you didn't come on with like this high res, super close, visually aesthetic, bokeh, blurry background effect, 
speaking perfect Greek. Like no one can relate to that. <laughs> you know, we'll look at that like, damn, she's good. And of course, we'll, you know, we'll like it and support it because it's amazing. But it's the fact that you were showing the messy middle, the sloppy progress, the journey. And more people will subscribe to the journey than the final destination. And so when you allow yourself, people listening, to show your journey, to talk about your journey, to share your goals, people will resonate with that because they're like, well, that's so brave. Or I want to do that too. It's so true. And that takes a little bit of courage to be like, I'm putting my unpolished, you know, messy self on the internet. And now it's like, I have 200,000 people that are there, but it's like, I know who I am and it's going to be okay. Like everything is fine. We're not curing cancer. Like it's fine. Now your average Joe tip number four. 107 because this episode has so many tips that it's really hard to keep track but these are just some highlights okay when someone really knows who they are especially after they've spent a lot of time alone they'll be more willing to trust their gut and themselves and to trust the process which then will allow them to take greater risks because they know that if everything crumbles they still got their own backs we should always have our standards but it's important to not let those standards or high expectations cripple our process because if you fall you could trust yourself to pick yourself back up and I think the outcome of it is when you continue to show your messy middle or you show your progress, you end up with so much knowledge that people don't even notice. So I want to touch on the fact that you were living this really scrappy life. You were very broke. And I want you to talk about the time where you you didn't eat, you had to sleep, you you slept because it was easier to deal with your hunger. That's insane to me. I like that. Yeah, I was in Germany. I'll like never forget that story because I think it was such it was such an eye opening experience. I remember a company like their money was supposed to deposit. Here's another thing: influencer marketing because there were no unions and there was no regulations. Like brands got away with just not paying you. So I had to do that. I had to deal with that too, like either not being paid or being paid like up to 30 days late. And of course they don't know that like, this is all I have. And I'm waiting on those paychecks to actually feed myself and live, you know? So I'm waiting on this check to come. It doesn't, it doesn't come on Friday. It doesn't hit until Monday. And so I have that whole weekend of nothing. And I just remember like being so, my stomach was growling so much. I was like, all I could afford to eat is, is a nap. Like I need to sleep. So I'm not thinking about how hungry I am because literally the, the, the hunger is, is making my body just feel so, like I just feel so out, it's this out of body experience. Like I've been hungry before, but I've never starved. And I think there's something to be said about, again, having an actual firsthand experience because when that money hit in Monday and I rushed to the grocery store and I'm just buying everything and I'm so excited to just have food. I cannot wait to just throw this sandwich in my mouth. I come outside and directly to my left is a homeless man and he has a sign that says hungry, of course, in, in German. And I, I assume that it's that. And I'm like, of course, I give him a drink. I give him chips. I give him a sandwich. I was like, I have so much more empathy now when I see those signs because I know what it's like. I didn't have, of course, the shamelessness to, you know, make a sign and, and, and get help because I was like, no, I put myself in this situation. I'll sleep it off. I'll be fine. Um, but it was miserable to experience. But now I have so much empathy. And I have such a heart to just serve people because I know that we're all one or two choices away from a completely different reality. And that reality could be good or it can be bad. You really don't know everyone's story. And I think when people get more honest with their stories, you'll just have a bigger heart to help people and realize that a lot of life happening to us, we can't control. Right, and it could be lucky or unlucky. Or it could be a series of events. Like you put yourself in that position, but you didn't ask for them not to pay you. So it's like in that moment, it's an unlucky 
situation, right? But how grounding, that's insane to me. Yeah. Not your average Joe, tip number five. Humility is the true north. Nothing we do exists in a vacuum, certainly not a creative journey. Because when we take a step back and we observe all of the luck and the chance that made the biggest differences in the tiniest moments throughout our journey, it's easy to see there's so much to be grateful for that was completely out of our control. And if we observe that, we can cultivate more empathy. And that, my friends, makes anyone a pretty dope person who's just happier for not only the positive things that happened to them, but the negative things that gave them that humility in the first place. Mind banger. But the thing that I want to call out is like, on one hand, you're going through this really profound experience, like life or death experience, and externally, you're living the dream. And <laughs> this is the thing that I feel like I want to highlight because we both make travel wow. content. I've been in the crazy situations too, some life or death, and some of those are published and public and others are wow. not. But regardless, we're still learning and growing those experiences where we're evolving as those things are happening. Mm. And only now, like 10 years later, are we able to kind of take those lessons and apply them to what we're talking about today or services and products we're offering or events that we're speaking at. Because when you're in the moment, you didn't have, you couldn't say, hey guys, I'm. Uh, can you please wire me money? Because you're in the middle of that shit. So it's like- Building a brand. Talk about expectation versus reality. Like the shit that you have to go through just to get that first paycheck it's so much more than people expect. You know what's so crazy? Because a part of me, when you want to show up authentically, but you're still building a brand and you don't want brands to see that you're struggling. Um, I remember I would publish articles like 10 reasons why traveling while broke is, is more fun. And I'm like literally trying to make light of the fact that I'm broke. I'm like, here's 10 reasons why it's actually better. <laughs> trying to convince yourself like you post it and read it as an audience member get the wisdom and the view it's like wow same though same and it's like people have no idea i'm literally speaking from my truth not like <laughs> fictitiously or hypothetically i'm like no no this is this is what i've experienced and i was like you have to be more creative because you can't just buy what you want now you got to figure it out <laughs> so Talk about authentic content. <laughs> like we are speaking the truth. You may think it's a gimmick, it's real. Absolutely. But yeah, and I think what I love about like us and our journeys is we had to teach ourselves entrepreneurship in real time. Like contracts, agreements, clauses, exclusivity. Like we are learning this in real time. And of course I couldn't afford a lawyer, you know, at the time. So I'm reading my own contracts. I'm signing my own contracts, signing away my life and my rights. I'm kidding. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> you have to learn sometimes the hard way. And like, if there was ever a payment that was like net 90, like I learned that after the fact, I'm like, oh my God, no, I will never let a brand wait three months to pay me for content that I do three months prior, you know, and fighting for what you deserve and knowing that like, yes, you can be grateful and yes, and I also demand respect. I also need to be paid within 30 days. Now it's net 15, now it's half up front. Like I don't play about that anymore because I much rather work for myself and promote my own things than work with brands. So I'm at a place where I, I do maybe one brand deal a quarter. Like, because I, I no longer want to deal with the back and forth, the, the caption changing of like the approval. Hey, Glow, we loved how you said this. Can you, can you say it more like this? I'm like, no, I don't want to sound like a robot. People already know it's an ad. It is literally in the first line, <laughs> but I still want to be able to connect with my community. So if it looks like an ad and sounds like an ad, people are going to keep scrolling because there is something as well about people knowing you're getting paid for content. Some of them do get triggered by it and they don't want to 
like, oh, well, you're just saying this because you're paid. <laughs> I mean, again, now we have to do a part two. I want to talk about this quickly, but let's do a part two. On it's fun. It's I fun. Think- in person, calling it out there. It's going to be in person. Let's do it in person. I know, I know. I love talking about the business of what we do and I'm always thinking about it. I live and breathe this. I look at what you do. You're a huge inspiration to me personally because of exactly that shift of you went from being the standard influencer where it's like we're making your money based on brand deals, whether that's on Instagram or sponsored blog posts. And then you shifted completely where you might do one brand deal a quarter, but your primary really beautiful income, so beautiful that you've spent what, like $300,000 on freelancers last year. Like I saw that post and I'm like, this is brilliant because you're making your income to the point where it's completely based on you, your knowledge, your skills, and you're reinvesting in other creators. How did that shift happen? Like, give me some tips because I'm like, I have Joe club and I have, I've done shut up and go like I've built companies, but that's a whole different skill set. Oh, this I'm so good. Yeah. I cannot wait for like another full hour of this because the first thing that happened is I built my biggest entrepreneurial backbone when another brand like dropped the ball. And again, because I had no leverage, I was just a, a small blogger, they could get away with kind of taking advantage of me. And so this brand that was getting ready to fly me to Thailand, like it's a day before the flight and I'm so giddy. It's my first time to Asia and I'm coming from Europe, but I'm like, oh, like, wow, like this is a new chapter glow. You're doing it. You're, you're a real travel blogger. And they literally the morning of said, hey, you know, things, these things change. We can no longer do this. And just like, and they don't even consider like what, cause I had started lining up partnerships or just meetups and, and sket- my, like I, I cleared my schedule for Thailand for the next quarter. Like I started planning ahead. And so it threw me for such a curve. And I went into like this two day depression of like, man, like this is like, I don't deserve this, but like, here you are again, broke at square one, like what, what gives like when, when you get your break glow and it's a very dark place to be. And finally I was like, you know what? I've been teasing a book for so long. I've been wanting to share my story that so many people ask me DMS and I answer it generously. Like it is time to put it into one cohesive package. I literally went on Facebook and I said, no, I went to, was it Photoshop? Cause Canva wasn't around at the time. But um, I decided in like Word or Photoshop, but I created an ebook cover from excuses to excursions, how I started traveling the world. I created the, the photo cover. I published it on Facebook. I said, pre-sales now open $10 pre-sales, meaning like I, I had that much foresight to be like, I'm, I can't write this book in a day, <laughs> but I need to let people know it's coming in that pre-sale sale alone that weekend, I made $4,000. Like Joe, when I tell you, cried, How? cried. First of all, uh, what were our numbers back then? Bring it, bring it there. Like, how many followers did you have, and how did you get four thousand dollars? Yeah, that's a good question. So my Instagram was maybe under three thousand, but I promoted it more on Facebook. So my biggest and first supporters were Facebook friends from college and my travels. Like, there's a lot of travel communities um, on Facebook and travel groups. So they were a lot of the first time purchases. 
um, just people from college and high school. And I didn't recognize how many people were just ready and willing to support. Like sometimes we feel like no one cares because we're not, our notifications are low or people aren't liking and commenting on everything. But my goodness, people are waiting for an opportunity support, to support you, but you have to give them something to support other than a really pretty photo on a mountain glow. <laughs> and so I was like, I, I did this pre-sale and floods of comments. You know, at the time I had 4,000 Facebook friends. So over hundred comments, over like 300 likes, just getting like, oh my God, Glow, I've been waiting for this. Glow, I can't wait. Yes, Glow, you did. And I, I'm literally feeling like the book is already done. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, great, we're done. And meanwhile, you have to do the whole thing. Exactly. But here's what I do. So of course I use that money and, and thank God for PayPal because it was deposited by the next day. I use that money to book my own damn ticket to Thailand. Okay. Mm -hmm. That was like, Joe, when I tell you that changed the game for me, I thank God the, that brand dropped the ball because that was the shift for me. I was like, I will never let a brand have that much leverage or power over me again. Booked my own ticket to Thailand, did the conference, did the speaking engagement, and then I, I bought an Airbnb for 30 days. And I said, I'm not leaving this Airbnb until my book is finished. 30 days later, the book was published. It went out. And that was two years later when the publishing company got wind of it and said, hey, we, we want to actually give you an advance check and publish your hard copy. We want to fly you to New York. We want to meet you. Like you're doing great things. We want to also help sponsor your book tour. And Skyscanner got involved with that too. And I mean, holy crap. Like the, the universe meets you halfway when you take initiative. Let's get it again for the people in the back. The universe meets you halfway when you take initiative. And it's also all about looking at every piece of your journey as an opportunity, even when things seemingly fall apart, because that thing not working out could very well be the best thing that ever happened to you. Something that could be the worst thing in the moment is actually the reason why you're able to support yourself in this ridiculously beautiful lifestyle give back to other creatives and teach people in your workshops and through your ebooks and through your content like this is mind-blowing glow i know i know you know <laughs> well and that was that was like the first thing and so after that it took me another two years before i launched my first course and that was high ticket so that was two thousand dollars and i had to just get over the mindset shift of like <gasps> glow this is a lot of money no one will pay you for this <laughs> But all this time in, in those two years in between, I'm landing like great brand deals. I'm getting featured on every publication. I'm doing all these speaking engagements. I'm like, well, you've, you've built the credibility. Like people do want to learn. They are willing to invest. They are ready. And also at the time, travel bloggers were still very hush hush about how they made money and how they secured brand deals. It was like, if I teach you how I did it, now you get the money that I, that I was going to get. It's like, no, 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 everyone still gets the money. Like the pie is growing every year. So it's like, I'm willing to cut the pie in slices. Rather, someone else wants the whole pie for themselves. And I was willing to be that first generous person to be like, and voila, here's the behind the scenes. I pulled back the curtains on everything. Which was 2K. And then how did that sell? So $50,000 in seven days, five zero. Amazing. Like, Again, had never seen that kind of money at the time, like just, especially at once, like, holy crap, Joe, when I tell you, I was- That's so great. I was like, is this, <sighs> breathe, you could, you, okay, you deserve this, you got this, you own this, like, it was just, a part of me didn't want to see it because I didn't feel like it was real. <laughs> so brilliant, because it's, it's a really big shift from having, when you work in the brand deal space, it's more of a dependent thing. You're dependent on the brands, but if you're creating your own, 
courses and essentially you're just further developing your own brand with these products and services, then you don't need anyone else to fund your life other than the audience that you've been building a relationship with for a decade. That's exactly it. And here's the thing as well that I want people to understand about entrepreneurship. You really want to focus on the lifetime customer value, meaning one person that goes through your entire product suite. So first it was the ebook, then it was uh, the course, then it was the Bali Blogger Bootcamp, then it was the Sisterhood Circle Retreat, then it was the Sisterhood Summit, then it was the Mastermind, and then it was a P2P program. So if one person went through all eight of those services, they would have paid me 61000 over two to three years, one person. And if you focus on graduating each person individually, serve them really well at one level, they want to grow with you because not only is my income growing, my investments are growing. I invested in a $24,000 mastermind. Like I was willing to invest because everything that I learned, I passed down to my mentees. So it wasn't just like me sitting on a pile of cash, like, <laughs> all right, let's do this. I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm literally giving you access to a bigger investment that I don't need you to make yet. And so it's like almost this funnel, like I'm willing to, to fly around the world, to go out to all these conferences, to invest in all these masterminds, to read all these books so that I can consolidate and compile all the best of it and put it in a digestible format and take you through a structured curriculum. And it's like people cut the check for convenience. So if you can make their life easier by consolidating all of your genius and all of your expertise, like people pay for that and it's access as well. People need energy. People need this real-time motivation and inspiration. I was doing 90-minute weekly coaching calls and then 60-minute uh, study calls on, on Wednesdays. Like I was finding all of these ways to just be of service and check in and be available and make my offering so different from the next person because I don't price according to value. I price according to like, like 10 times the value. Like whatever you're going to pay, I'm going to give you 10 times more than that. I want it to be a no-brainer purchase. For someone who's thinking about making the shift, this is the moment where we do the not your average Joe tip. Mm -hmm. What would be your advice to make an average Joe a little less average? You have this passion, whether it's travel or something else, and you really want to make your own business and thrive the way that you've accomplished. Yeah, I would say be willing to do the really hard thing. Like hard is valuable. Hard is like unique hard sells and converts clients really well. Like if you tell yourself, you know what, I'm gonna be the one coach who teaches both in English and Spanish in this very specific area. And knowing that you're gonna attract more people and you're gonna serve them at a different level, or I'm gonna be the coach that, and I did this last year, I had an online course and then I invested six figures into throwing them an in-person graduation ceremony. Didn't have to, I just said, what no online courses do like actual graduations like you get a virtual certificate but i'm like let me spend all this money putting them on a three-story yacht <laughs> putting vips in a mansion renting out this bamboo villa like i was like let me do this because it is so different from what everyone else is doing and yes it's hard to put on an event yes it is hard to coordinate yes it is hard to spend that on something that there is no return i didn't sell them anything deeper it was just like okay you're here to I'm here to celebrate you, fly in a, a keynote speaker and have them speak to my people, like just such a big investment. But I was like, I'm willing to do that to one, separate myself from what everyone else is doing. And two, show them that I genuinely care about giving them value in anybody that invests in me. Who did you go to to start learning how to sell a course? Brandon Burchard. Brandon Burchard is, is, can pretty much be my middle name now because <laughs> I, I promote and I amplify and I just, 
I push his name so much, not out of, out of a place of like, sound like a broken record, but genuinely everything that I know was from, is from this man. And I, it started with his books, then, then his free podcast. And then I went to his seminars in person and then I joined his mastermind. And again, look at that gradual, when you serve me good at one level, at a free level with your podcast, I'm like, okay, I, I trust your books. Okay, now I trust your seminar. Okay, now I trust your mastermind. And so that's over $50,000 that one person was able to get from me because they served me great at, they served me at every single level. And again, he taught me how to build a course. And in that same thing, I earned the 50K in seven days. So the investment always comes back because once you learn it once, you have that knowledge forever. And then you give it to other people, which is the butterfly effect. So it's like another huge takeaway is invest in yourself, like really take that money and put it into your knowledge, put it into your trainings, go to workshops. So I, I texted you the other day. I'm like, hey, Glow, curious, because I'm in the middle of this process too. Like I have several course ideas, whether it's about journaling or writing or language learning or travel. And I'm like, okay, let me invest in courses and books because I want to do this right. Like I know what I know, but how do I organize it even better so that it's digestible? I also want to shout out Nicole Walters. Like I love her. I think she also, she's probably someone that I'm like, has the most integrity in, in just the coaching space. So I love Nicole Walters. Stu McLaren, he's great for memberships. Anyone who wants to monetize a membership based community. Stu McLaren is your guy. Rachel Watt Rogers, she has a thing called The Club where, and she wrote a book called Everyone Should Be Millionaires. And I, I just love her approach to building a business. Um, you have people like Maya Elias, Jerisha Hawk, Vanessa Lau, um, Abu Fafana for uh, Facebook funnels, uh, trade and travel, Terry Joma for learning how, learning the stock market. So, and literally every single person I, I, I've named, like I, whether it's their books, their, their courses, their podcasts, I, I just, I, I learn from everybody. I will never get to a place where I'm like, I'm, I'm, I've arrived. I know it all. It's like, I am always, <laughs> the amount of journals. So this is one, two, <laughs> three. <laughs> Amazing. Same for me. Look, look at this. Literally one, two, three, like a huge to-do list. It's like the same mind. Writing everything down and taking taking nuggets and lessons from everything that I do like that. I'm so inspired to pass on everything that I teach or everything that I learn. I think that's what makes me a great teacher. Oh, you're my teacher glow. Thank you so much for <laughs> existing and for being so fabulous. And we will absolutely continue this conversation in a part two, getting into the business and it'll be in person. Okay. We gonna fly one another. Either I go to you, you come to me, whatever. Okay. It's going to happen. Or we both go somewhere. Listen, Caribbean is calling. <laughs> And that is it for today, my people. Thank you again for tuning in. I know this episode was long. We kicked it for a whole hour and some change, but wasn't it worth it? Glow is just a glowing, shiny woman. And her consulting hours are not cheap, so we had a treat today. <laughs> Thanks, Glow. If you like this episode or learned something new or feel super inspired, don't forget to rate the podcast five stars. I'm giving y'all five stars back. Follow the podcast to get notifications every Wednesday when we launch a new episode. And follow us on the gram, not your average Joe Pod. We're gonna post some bonus clips. Also, I have an Instagram at Joe underscore Franco. I'll be posting that messy middle, y'all. <laughs> For more from Glow, I'm linking her information in the description of this episode. And stick with me this whole month because the Black History Month episodes are just gonna hit a little differently. There's so much grit that I wanna uncover in these journeys that we could all walk away with tangible tips. 
And is that not what we're all here to do? This podcast was produced and edited by me. The theme song was performed by my sister, Fernanda Franco, and the podcast was mastered by Jeff Morrow. Thank you so much for listening. Let's go out there today and be a little less average, all of us. We're in it together. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.